You're listening to City Church Manchester. We are a church that invites everyone to enjoy Christ for the glory of God. If we can serve you in any way, then visit our website at citychurchmanchester.org to find out more. The first reading is Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 30 up to 37. That's Mark chapter 9 starting at verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last, and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So the second reading is Mark uh, chapter 9, 38 to 50. That's Mark 9, 38 to 50. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Thanks very much, Joe, and good afternoon, everyone. Really good to be with you. Do keep your Bibles open because you're going to be walking through that text. Um, I'm one of the the leaders at City Church, and it's my privilege to um, take you through the next part in our series from Mark's Gospel. But before we do that, why don't I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who speaks to us as your word is opened. And so we ask for your help. We ask that your spirit might give us wisdom and insight. We pray that we might have soft hearts, that we might hear your words, whether they be words of challenge or comfort. And we pray that none of us here would leave this place unchanged. Amen. 
Well, let, let me begin by asking you this, because I guess for those of you who still kind of think in terms of uh, kind of academic terms, September, or as we are now in October, is a time of fresh start, isn't it? And I wonder if you've ever wished, ever longed for, ever had a deep-felt desire to be an insider at an exclusive club. I wonder if you've ever wanted to do that. Most of us, I'm sure, will always only ever be outsiders on some of those really kind of exquisite, luxurious, expensive members-only clubs. But if you are in the market to join one, okay, well, why not think about this one? It's called the Ejection Thai Club. The Ejection Thai Club. And the qualification for being part of the Ejection Thai Club, the, the, the kind of sense of how do I become an insider here and belong, is one big criterion. It's this. You have to have once been fired out of a military plane via an ejector seat. Does that apply to anyone here? I was just thinking to myself, wouldn't it be my luck? Someone here belongs to that club. I trust none of us do. But it's an exciting club, isn't it? It's got an origin story of someone way back who was ejected from a warplane and survived. And they decided to set up this club for the courageous, the brave, the resilient. All right, that's the... That's the Ejection Thai Club. It's an exclusive club with a very exclusive membership. What about the Church of Jesus Christ? Well, the, um, the passage that we're looking at now explores how the Church of Jesus has its own unique origin story, just like the, Thai, the Ejection Thai Club. And it has an origin story that shapes the way that this community functions. It shapes who the insiders are and who the outsiders are. It shapes the mindset of the insiders. It shapes the mindset of the outsiders. And I've got two, two initial points for you. And the first one's this, the mindset of the insiders. And then the second is the mindset of the outsiders. So let's go to the first point, the mindset of the insiders. So our passage begins whilst Jesus is walking. Uh, he's walking kind of through a what we might describe as a waterside community. A waterside community that had seen better days. A place we're told in our Bibles is called Galilee. Perhaps in our sense to be a little bit like Blackpool. Imagine Jesus walking through Blackpool. And he reveals to them this blueprint for a community that he wants his believers to experience. Now, unlike the Ejection Thai Club, Jesus says in verses 30 to 32, look with me those verses now, he says that the origin story that's going to shape his community will be his death and his resurrection. Think of organizing a bereavement support group merged with the magic circle, but before anyone's actually died. That's kind of what Jesus is suggesting here for this new association that he's putting together. And the disciples, you can read in our passage, they're so uncomfortable with this idea that they say absolutely nothing. 
And so what Mark does from this point is he records three back-to-back scenarios that are going to practically flesh out what this community, what this gathering of believers should look like. So come with me to scenario one. It's in verse 33, and it is an awkward moment with Jesus, and it's all based in a house in Capernaum. That's scenario one. And it's in this house that Jesus questions his disciples. And do you see, he kind of questions his disciples like naughty school kids. And he questions them about a conversation that perhaps he had overheard them having amongst themselves. And the conversation topic was, who is the greatest? That's what they were talking about. And Jesus is absolutely clear with them, isn't he? A community shaped by my death, laid down freely for you, is going to be marked by never deciding who belongs by their social status. Never deciding who belongs simply by what their amazing contribution is. In fact, he talks about the fact that belonging to my community is going to be is going to be on a different set of values. We value in this community those who serve others, those who lay down their rights for others. And that's why Jesus brings in a child right into the middle of this conversation, and he uses the child as an illustration. And he does it because a child in this culture, in the ancient Near East, represented the very lowest possible social rung. And the reason for that is in a society where everyone needed to be out there, everyone needed to be working in order for the family to survive, little children contributed nothing. They might in the future, they were all full of potential, but in a society where it was all about whether there would be enough food to go around the table today, Children contributed nothing. They were the very lowest rung on the ladder of social status in this culture. And what Jesus is teaching here, his point is, I want you to value these children. I want you to value, I want you to value them not according to how culture sees them, but how God sees them. And I want that to be the template of the community that I'm bringing. We don't value people about their contribution. We value them based on what God thinks of them. And that same theme is picked up in the second scenario. Look with me at verse 38. Now, we find ourselves thrust into a crisis. That's the second scenario here, an absolute crisis. We're told that a man is curing people who are possessed by demons. Now, any exorcism of demons is all about crisis. You're going to be talking about people who are not well at all. Perhaps there's foaming at the mouth. Perhaps there's kind of physical convulsions. In any other culture, perhaps it would be calling in the emergency services, but it's a time of crisis. And the thing about a crisis, I think we know this, don't we? A crisis absolutely shreds any sense of pretense or fakery or just putting on a politeness. 
crisis blows that out of the water and it reveals who people really are and what people really, really think. The disciples' response, you see, to the one who is helping other people be cured of demon possession is to cancel them. Do you see that? Uh, And the reason that the disciples give for cancelling this person who seems to be helping people in crisis is, look, they're from outside of the group. They're not one of us. In our church community here at City Church, it would be like to saying to someone, well, you can't join the band or you can't lead a connect group, or you can't be an intern in this church because you've come from the wrong church background. Or you're not enough like the people from my home church where I was growing up. Or you're not enough like the people on the podcasts that I listen to. Therefore, you're an outsider and you cannot belong here. But look at verse 39. This is Jesus' response. Verse 39. In other words, what Jesus is saying in verse 39 is in God's kingdom, you're either in my family and you're an insider, or you're not. He's saying that you've either put your trust in Jesus and you are forgiven of everything, everything you've ever done, everything you've ever will do, And you're in the family now. That can never change. Or he's saying, you're not. You're not in the family. And you're not forgiven. Two categories. You're either in or you're out. And so I guess it's helpful to say, isn't it, that if you are an insider here at at City Church, Perhaps you're someone who has made this church your home. Perhaps you are a member. You'll hear about membership a little bit later, meaning that you are responsible for what happens in this church and the way it runs. Well, if, if you're an insider in this church, the mindset of the world out there, the world out there will say to you that new people coming into this church New people coming here on a Sunday, sitting next to you. Well, the culture out there will say, look, this is an exclusive club. New people coming in, well, they are a threat to your friendships. They are a threat to your chances of finding a romantic other. It's just got very competitive, isn't it? They are a threat to the very idea that things in this community should always remain safe and settled and normal. But what Jesus is teaching, in absolute contrast to the world out there, is saying actually the mindset of a gospel-shaped insider in this community is someone who should be asking themselves, well, who can I bring in? Who can we, as a community here at City Church, welcome more thoroughly? Who can we integrate faster? Who else do I have the privilege of sharing my life with? That, that is the healthy mindset of an insider that Jesus is saying should be the case for believers in a community like this. But remember, a mindset is not an instinct. 
And that is a relief, isn't it, for those of you who are thinking, few, because according to that, maybe I'm not even a Christian. A mindset is an intentional conversation with yourself that leads to small choices in the right direction. So that could be, if you're an insider in this church, that could be choosing to talk to someone new. It's a small choice in the right direction, isn't it, according to the shape of this passage? It's perhaps making space to stay a little bit longer after the church service rather than darting off so you can talk with people, share with people, pray with people, get to know people. It might be going to common afterwards, making your Sunday perhaps a little longer in the city centre. It might be daring to arrange a social. Maybe it's having a dinner at your house, but not with your close friends, but with actually people you don't know that well. Perhaps it's treating a child, one of those at City Kids, with the same dignity and interest that you would give to an adult. Largely, what we're talking about is it looks like being prepared to go face-to-face with potentially awkward moments. That's what we're talking about here, isn't it? That's the way of Jesus but doing it anyway. So if that's the mindset of the insider in God's community, well, what is the mindset of the outsider? What is the experience of being an outsider coming into a community a bit like this? A community that ideally should be shaped by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Well, come back to me to the first scenario, the house in Capernaum. Come back with me. Look at me at verses 33 to 37. Jesus is right there with the disciples. He's put a child right in the middle of them to make this illustration. And remember what we said, children represent those who had the least status in the community at the time. But Jesus gives the instruction that we are to welcome children. We are to welcome The outsider, that is what children represent in this passage. Well, if you are new to City Church, whether that's you've arrived here this week or you've only been here a couple of months, I hope you feel welcomed here. I hope either someone has spoken to you when you arrived or that they will speak to you before you leave. I hope you will leave here today at City Church with the sense that you have been seen and acknowledged. And I hope you get to share the hospitality either out there or in here, and you see the details of the cakes and the gluten-free and all of that, because all of that is meant to say to you, you are valued, and we love the fact that you've joined us. But notice, notice verse 37. Because Jesus ties the motivation of the disciples to welcome children, that is, those of the lowest status, because it is an expression of their love for him. And Jesus goes even further to say, do you see that? Your love for me, saying this to the disciples, expressed in love for outsiders, as represented by the children, is the mark of someone who has also been welcomed into the very family of God 
the very family of God the Father. So what this means, if you are new to City Church, is if you are welcomed today, which I really hope you will be, please don't chalk it down to people in this community simply being nice. Because that's not true. I I want you to know, if you are new to City Church, we love having you here, but many, many of us are terrified to step out of our comfort zone and talk to new people. I want you to know that some of us would prefer to hide in a cave than to engage in small talk. I want you to know that some of us struggle with social anxiety and the burdens of life on our shoulders. That We struggle with chronic shyness that makes us just want to pull in and hide. And yet we will welcome you anyway with genuine joy. Why? Because God, God the Son, first expressed his love for us by willingly dragging himself in suffering and torture, carrying a cross through the streets of Jerusalem just to reach out to us and welcome us into his family where we could share the love that he had with his heavenly father so we who were outsiders would forever be insiders to him. And that means our joyful response as part of the community of God here at City Church is to welcome you with open arms, not because we're nice, but because our God first welcomed us. Our welcome to you is our worship to God. So please, please don't simply leave here saying that we were nice. Secondly, come back to the crisis situation, the crisis scenario. Look with me at verse 41. The mark of someone who looks like an outsider but is actually one of us, Jesus tells us that they give you a cup of water in the name of Jesus. Do you see that? That's Jesus' own criteria. They give you a cup of water in the name of Jesus, meaning that they, they are motivated by the love of, of God and therefore they do something for the benefit of the kingdom of God. That means the mindset of someone who is an outsider to the church but who is really an insider with God, that is someone who is coming into this community, the mindset of someone who is starting at this church should be, I want to serve. I want to add my strength to the push. I I, I want to see this vision of the church succeed for Jesus' name in this city. That should be the mindset if you are new to Manchester and if you're thinking that perhaps this is the church that I want to settle in. You see, we have a vision here at City Church. Hopefully, I'll come up on the screen behind me. And and it's a vision... It's a vision that says that we want to train people. 
that we want to equip people, we sometimes are going to be sending people to help and support and start churches right across the city, indeed right across the UK, indeed right across the world. And you need to know that here at City Church, we're either preparing for a church plant or we're recovering from a church plant. And the season that you have come to us right now is we are in the process of preparing for one. That's really exciting, and I'm thrilled that you're here for this season. Now, Jesus is really clear. A cup of water in this passage is the tiniest, the smallest possible thing that you could give in hospitality and kindness to someone in the ancient Near East. But it is significant. It is a marker of belonging. And so if you're new to City Church and you're thinking, I want to get stuck in here, your mindset must be to ask, what can I contribute here? Where does this church need help? What gifts or talents or experiences has God given me that I could invest in this church, in this city at this time? Now look, perhaps it genuinely is a cup of water. Praise the Lord if that's all you can give at this time. But the willingness to give, even that, absolutely delights the Lord Jesus. Can you see that in this passage? So so the question for you this afternoon is, what might that mean for you? Where might you get stuck in in this church? If you're wondering, actually, I'd love to find out more, or I'd love to share what I could do or what I could bring, we've got a next steps table just outside here in the foyer. You can't miss it. Uh, There's a member of the staff team who's going to be there after the service who would love to have a conversation with you and tell you more and talk to you. Perhaps that could be the one thing that the Lord has laid on your heart this afternoon today. Well, come with me to our third and, and final point. We've seen the mindset of the insider, the mindset of the outsider. The third point is the twist. The twist. Let me give you a little bit of a summary. A community shaped by the death and resurrection of Jesus, that should be really be any church, not just this one, but any church, it should avoid two common problems with almost every other community. It, it, it should mean that you avoid the problem of communities where those on the inside make it impossible from those on the outside to join. And it should also avoid the problem where those on the outside are given access to belong, but they have no commitment. No, actually, the church of Jesus should avoid both of those problems. But a passage like this, it's strong language, isn't it? It should leave us with some really big unanswered questions. So, for example, are the little ones in this passage, are they always outsiders? Um, What if you are an insider in the church, but you feel like an outsider? What does that mean for you? Uh, A question could be, well, who are the little ones in the passage? In a church like this, who are the little ones? And in other words, at City Church Manchester, who are the heroes and who are the villains? Who should I look out for and who who should I avoid? Well, look with me at verses 40 to 52. This is the third scenario, and it is the warning. 
And Jesus gives some of his strongest words in the whole of the New Testament against those who would cause a little one to stumble, which means causing someone to have their confidence in the gospel undermined. That's what it means to stumble. And Jesus is is saying the equivalent of, look, God is so protective of little ones in his church that his fatherly anger is so strong against those bullies that it would make sense if any such bullying, harassing villain chained a photocopier around their neck, threw it out of a fourth-story window and into the canal below. That's how much God wants to protect little ones in the church. It's vivid stuff, isn't it? It's vivid stuff. So who is the villain here? And who should pay attention to the fury of God as it may well be trained against them? Well, here's the twist. It's me. It's you. It's us. It's why in verses 43, the language shifts to you and your, emphasizing that this is actually something all of us need to pay attention to. For a little one, a little one isn't merely an outsider to the community, although they often are. A little one is any believer that you find reason to look down on. Any believer that you categorize silently in your head that they are less valuable to God compared with you. It is anyone you spiritually compare yourself to and win. And I want you to note, it is never easier to look down on someone than when you perceive yourself to be the victim of an injustice by another believer. So why does Jesus save his most shocking language for this particular crime? Because pride, that's what we're really talking about here, pride is acid bath to a Christian's faith. You see, the heart of the gospel is you are much worse than you could ever admit to, and yet you are more loved than you could ever imagine. So if you nurture pride in your heart, that you are actually better than others in the pecking order, what you will quietly do is you will shrink the horror of sin in your heart You will hide the ugliness of selfish from your own eyes until, though you may never say it with your lips, you will begin to assume that God loves you because of what you contribute and not because of what the Lord Jesus has done for you. And that means over the years, your mindset will make your faith 
a transaction. It will make your God a vending machine of blessings. It will make your worship at the altar of comparison. And your church experience will be made up of those who are either greater than you or littler than you. And Jesus says that a spirituality on that path leads to hell. For there is no love of God in a heart that is pursuing that trajectory, only self-love. The language in this passage of shocking self-mutilation, and allow it to be shocking, please do, the mutilation of any part of your body that causes you to sin or stumble, that is Jesus using picture language to say, look yourself hard in the eye, And if there is anything that causes you to puff yourself up with spiritual pride over others, this week you must ruthlessly do everything you can to get rid of it. That means confess before the Lord. That means talk to a friend or perhaps a connect group leader. That means treat this pride in your heart with a level of urgency like discovering, I don't know, a patch of leprosy on your skin, if you ignore it, you will slowly die. But I guess we might be thinking, so when a friend does want to talk to us, perhaps even after the service about this, well, what do I say? When we see this patch of pride spreading across our own soul, drying our spiritual joy out like eczema to our heart... What is it that we actually say? Well, come with me to the two final cryptic verses of this passage, verses 49 and 50. They are strange and bizarre, but they unlock everything. Verse 49 says this, Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Well, This is a strange image to us, but to an Israelite who is hearing this, salt and fire were two very, very powerful symbols because fire purifies and salt in the ancient Near East, it preserves. Salt was such a significant symbol in the Israelite community that when they offered a regular grain offering, which was a regular community offering, they were explicitly told, you must add salt. You can read all about that in Leviticus 2. In fact, the point being made was their community was meant to be like preserving salt to the world. That was what the Israelites were meant to be. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, Jesus speaking to a crowd of Israelites says, you guys are the salt of the earth. It's almost as if the community emblem of the Israelites should have been a lifeboat. A lifeboat that preserved life. So Jesus poses a question which cuts right to the heart. He asks this, if you lose your saltiness, how can you become salty again? In other words, if this lifeboat has a hole in the side, how can it ever preserve life? In other words, if this church 
has people full of pride and self-worship, how can it ever be restored again? And so Jesus fills this very awkward pause with this cryptic answer in verse 50. He says, have saltiness and experience peace within your community. But he doesn't say how. Did you see that? He doesn't actually say how do you do that? Because making something salty again is impossible. But in the silence of despair we must remember that Mark has strung together these teachings on this theme of community by starting it all with foundations. In verse 31, that this community will be founded on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That's how this passage began, didn't it? That was the blueprints at the very beginning. And this is key. Let me tell you why. A Christian community will always be a messy group of people. A Christian community like this will always be a group of people struggling not to hurt each other. This will always be a community of people reeling from being disappointed from high expectations of other people in this community not meeting them. The broken expectations that we should be better, should be more loving, should be more distinct. If you want to join City Church, this is a place actually where we don't mean to, but hearts get broken all the time. Do you want me to lie and say something other? It is a community filled with people who deserve to be eternal outsiders from the family of God. Yet, if this community confesses its sin, repents of its pride, accepts the full forgiveness that Jesus offers by his death, this community will receive the miracle power of the resurrection of new life, and this community will have its saltiness restored. Isn't that wonderful news? Let me be real. The perfect community that you long for does not exist this side of death. But this messy, crazy church here at City of vagabonds, misfits, urban pirates, whatever you want to call us, we are outsiders made insiders by Jesus. And that is beautiful, and that is life-changing, and that is an invitation for you to join us and be part of it. It's what we seek to be. It's built on the origin story of Jesus' life, his torture, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. Therefore, if you want to be an insider at City Church, don't judge us by who we are today. Judge us by the person in Christ that we are becoming. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that though we should be outsiders to you, by our own pride and our own selfishness, you call us back. Not because we contribute, but despite ourselves, you call us back simply by love that we might be forgiven, restored, and given a firm place as insiders in your family. And I pray that that would transform us as a community. May that reform the way that we forgive others. May that reform the hurt that we have often felt within this, even this church. May it transform our vision of our role in this community. And may we do it all because of Christ and for his glory in this city. Amen.